the Pinball Network is online. Launching Final Round Pinball Podcast. Player versus player and player versus machine. Welcome to the final round. Hello once again, episode 13, and lucky for you, I'm Jeff Teolis. And I'm Martin Robbins. Very lucky for you, our listeners. Thank you. We appreciate it. The final round, finally making the Baker's Dozen. You know, this is, there are a lot of shows that have never made it this far. Marty, when you make it to 13, I mean, people start talking Hall of Fame. I'm just saying that's what they're saying on the streets. I'm just telling you right now. Yeah, speaking of what they're saying on the streets, what shows didn't make it this far? Mm. <laughs> just, <laughs> that's, that's, kind of shitting on, that's kind of shitting on them, isn't it? Yeah, we won't, we won't name names, but... You know who you are. I don't know. <laughs> I still love that Down to Flip did one episode. That's my... And it was funny, and, and I heard it, and uh, good people on it. One episode. One and done. 13, yeah, wow. baby. <laughs> 13. We've done very well. And let's talk about our last episode, because it was, I would say, a very successful episode. Certainly, the end product was was great thanks to both of us for doing our fair share of the editing but it was a lot of fun and we got some really good feedback that is why we do it we want to entertain the people listening and the people in that case playing the game there were 32 people another 10 people that had provided questions so in that podcast 44 different people just imagine how the editing is that's 44 different mics and 44 different settings, and to try to clean it all up. You had mentioned we recorded for five hours to get it down to mm-hmm. just under two hours. I think it was pretty good. Yeah, I did about 10 hours of editing. How much did you do? About 10 myself. So, I mean, <laughs> That's it, it's guys. stupid. Yeah, it was worth it, though. It was worth it. I enjoyed editing it because I got to, to listen back to it. It was, it was lots of fun. So, thanks to everybody participating, but also thanks to everybody for listening and for your feedback. By the way, that's just the post stuff. Getting all the questions, getting mm, all the recordings, yeah, true. figuring out the format, getting everybody's Skype form and all that other stuff filled out, it was a big, big project. So once again, and I said this last uh, episode, I think of people that put on the big, big events and all the things that they have to do. We did a small, small scale of it, audio only, not real machines breaking down, just people and their microphones and their internet and uh it was a lot of work but anyway again a lot of fun congratulations to matthew richardson who uh beat brian die in the finals on episode 12 spoiler alert if you haven't heard it but the banner's on (laughs) yeah also facebook spoiled it as well so make sure everybody you are liking our facebook page please if you don't like our facebook group if you don't like our instagram you can piss off on the twitter thing we don't do anything on that yet we'll get there yeah yeah, go to twitter because we won't talk to you there but instagram facebook even if you aren't on those platforms i would sign up just to get on them because there's a lot of good juicy bits on there that we put and you'll be hearing about some of them later in the program indeed you will so jeff what have you been up to this last fortnight what (laughs) 
I really, really want to know. I'm, oh, I just can't wait to find out everything that you've been doing. I wasn't going to ask this week because I was thinking, Marty's not going to ask me and I'm going to be hurt. <laughs> Avoid the pain. This is stupid. This is kind of uh, not pinball related, but pinball is a hobby and some say a sport. So since mid-March in my home, I used to enjoy watching sports. I'm a big fan of baseball and football oh, yeah, and all these other things. We all sure. sports. Yeah, I've yeah. canceled all my subscriptions to everything. So I had really? to reinstall them this week so that I could see baseball and basketball next week and hockey. And I don't think football is coming back, but just, I was just, oh, wow, it's been so long since I've seen sports and it was kind of fun. So that's what I did. I did an ICR challenge and uh, once again, put my foot right in my mouth because I thought I was going to kick the hell out of Chuck Webster. I've seen him play. Mm Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. He is a professional streamer. He can talk and play at the same time. A skill set I don't have. Yeah, it's it is a skill that is acquired over time, and uh, he does it well. So Marty, I did a little bit of that. Um, it's summer here, so a lot of outside stuff. No pinball, except some things we'll talk about after our interview. What about your last couple of weeks, Marty? So, uh, an update for everybody about Australia, but uh, with the area that I'm in, in Victoria, we are now in strict lockdown. So, we are, we're verging on stage four restrictions. It is now mandatory, like by law, for us to have a face mask when we leave the house. So, I am now in full lockdown, but I can stream. And I have been streaming. Um, and obviously, uh, we've got Eric, Dave and Ray and uh, Stacey also streaming on Melbourne Silverball. But I did, for the very first time, my first heads up stream. Who'd you do it with? With Eric. We've both got a Star Trek. So we decided that we would play together with a, a split screen. And we did ICR challenges. Like a best of three, best of five? Well, we, we kind of just kept going until, well, it, it was sort of for all. And we thought, okay, well, let's go one more game. But what was fun about it, and it wasn't, it wasn't that I wanted to have a structured ICR. I just wanted to have this heads up and see how easy it was to create challenges. And we did things like, you know, first to Klingon multiball, first to nine warp ramps, or first to Avengers multiball, or you know, first to 50 million points. But what was really interesting is that I, I may be a little bit of a better player than Eric that I was playing against. So what was really interesting about that is the ability to create handicaps. So for example, with the warp ramps, it was agreed that I had to go first to warp nine and he had to go first to warp seven and that was deemed equitable and there you go it's agreed therefore it's a challenge and the reason why that's probably important is more so when you're playing against somebody and you've got different machines because you can then create some uh, different weighted challenges so it still seems equitable even though you've got machines that are completely different does that make sense it does i think i know what you mean i mean you're you were playing the same machines as far as they were both star trek premium or le's yes that's correct okay what the difference is is obviously the pitch the maybe the rubbers maybe 
Uh, the tilt setting, for sure. I assume you had the same settings as far as extra balls on or off. Yeah, well, because one of them was to, to get an extra ball. And so we made sure mine is hard-coded to the seventh warp ramp. So Eric just went into his settings and hard-coded it to seventh warp ramp. And there we go. Oh, you didn't give him a little advantage there. Okay, you did on the warp ramp, but you, uh, you no, helped that. I know. Okay. I, I know. Oh, but stickler. What, what I'm saying is we sort of gave each other the same goal but different difficulties to even the match. And as long as you agree on those conditions, you've got a challenge match. Okay. Well, what I did with Chuck, Chuck is a regular streamer, and you know him from the Trash Talker Invitational. He's big with the New England Pinball League, and he streams quite a bit. He'll stream things like fixing machines, which is actually quite interesting. I enjoy that as well. He just got a brand new Hot Wheels, so he's been streaming that over the last few days. But I said to him, I'm like, hey, you have an ACDC, don't you? And he has a, a premium or an LE. I just have a pro. And I said, okay, well, let's come up with a, a way to stream each other. Now, what you and Eric did was a speed challenge, which is pretty cool, right? First to do this, this, this. If you're both yep. starting at the same time, that's a whole different challenge. And fun, by the way. I really enjoy that. What Chuck and I did was take turns on, you know, ball one, I'll go, ball two, he goes kind of the back and forth. Or we would play the whole game and then the next person would go. But the challenges weren't score-based because the play fields are different. There's a lot of similarities. But we did things like, okay, play a game, extra balls are off. How many jam multi-balls can you get? And then at the end, you, you say, okay, I got two. And then I would play, and we tied, and we'd have to do it again until somebody won. And then the next challenge would be, how many different songs can you light? So it takes eight songs in that jukebox to then relight another song so it takes a lot that was a challenge we had things like most combos there were things we could do that were similar on different games so i remember josh asking me he'd be curious to see how people are going to be playing different games if they don't have the same games there's lots of ways to do it yeah that, that's what i was saying so let's say i've got star trek and you've got acdc and our challenge is first to get to multiball and you may say, well, hang on, Vengeance is really easy to get to compared to Jam Multiball. And I can say, okay, well, how about you have a 30-second head start? Great, it's equal now, let's go. Because you can, you can determine how you can make these two completely separate pinball machines even when it comes to a challenge. Well, you can do something else too, right? Like how many, I don't know the answer, you'll have to tell me. How many shots does it take to start Vengeance Multiball? It depends on whether you go for the target directly or whether you go for the the torpedo targets on the right. But let's just say six shots. Six shots. Okay. So in one way, I would say it would be easier to start Jam Multiball, the easiest of the multiballs on ACDC, than Vengeance because I can backhand that left ramp over and over and over again. Well, that's if you can backhand. That's true. there's There's some bricks. But I'm just saying... I think there are less shots than it takes. And, I, and Vengeance Multiball, doesn't it capture the ball for a little bit? Yep. But you're just saying whoever you start, as long as you start Vengeance Multiball. So once it captures that ball, that's it. So your ICR challenges, certainly with Eric and what you're describing to me, are challenges, no question. They're different games, which is you know the unique thing. And I think others are doing it too. There are so many people that have done these ICR challenges on match play. I don't know how many of them are actual heads-up challenges, basically speed runs, as opposed to I'll play this full game, you play this full game. Because you could do, 
you know, I don't know. What's your second vengeance multiball? It takes forever. It takes a lot more shots than six. Well, the the next multiball is really is Klingon multiball, which takes. You've got to get the the targets. Um, the the next one after vengeance multiball is vengeance battle. So, or is it vengeance scoring? One of them, which t- takes a lot more. The point I'm making is, as long as you agree to the terms of the the battle beforehand, you've got a challenge. Does it count combos in that game? Does it show you how many yes. combos you have? Yeah. There's something you could do, right? Because right. again, both Steve Ritchie games, you both have two ramps, you both have two orbits. Those are the four shots to make your combos, right? Yep. I think even if you get an away team, that's probably a combo as well, isn't it? On the right? Mm, I don't think it is, because I don't think it's got one of the little red inserts for combos lit. Now, when you do the right orbit on Star Mm -hmm. Trek, does it go into the pops or does it go all the way around? Uh, It depends on which mode you're in, but for the most part, it goes around. Okay. So you don't have that on ACDC because it'll stop and go into the... These the tunes and stuff. Yeah, the little scoop there. So, interesting. Okay. Mm, yeah. Anyway. There's things you could do. As I said, the point of it was, I was keen to just explore and create these challenges on the fly, just so I could determine how easy or difficult it is to do an ICR challenge. And everybody that's listening, it's easy. Just do it. Now, does Eric play a lot? I know Eric was at the event in Australia in January that I was at. So does he normally play a lot? He streams a lot, yes. No, I mean in competitions. Well, in relatively new to the competition scene, probably 12 months. Okay. But then obviously COVID happened, so there haven't been a lot of tournaments. Now, I assume because it was an incredibly unfair advantage for you, was he discouraged if in fact you won? No, not at all. I mean, as I said, we, we did. Ah, uh, because you threatened um, him like he'd be off Melbourne Silverball streams. Correct. <laughs> that is No, 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 no. And, and we were we were for all. And and I wasn't throwing the game. Like, I was playing properly. Uh, but he was, he was you know, firing back just as much as, as I was. So he was it up was for the challenge? Quite, yeah, very much so. I won in the end five matches to four. So, it, it you know, it was even. Well, there you go. Now you just have to have other people do that. I mean, correct. I find it fun. I thought it would be interesting because you're used to your own machines, if you have machines. And you know what's weird, though? I don't know what you're like. I know on your streams, if you have a bad ball, you continue to play. You don't start over again. But a lot of people that own games, I'm guilty too. If I have a task of, all right, I'm going to try to do a wizard mode here or, or certainly get deep in the game and I absolutely crap the first ball i'll start over again which is stupid because if you do these challenges you can't do that if you're in a competition you can't do that you should really learn how to battle back but a lot of homeowners don't do that they're like oh i'm just gonna start over again yeah i agree here's the other thing for those people that are listening to the podcast saying well i don't have a machine in my house well i would encourage you to look up don't panic flip on twitch because they did a heads-up challenge, somebody with a real physical Xenon and the other person with a digital version. And they did challenges, you know, in real time. So uh, Josh did allude to it, but, you know, you can still do that. If, as long as you agree, then fine. I don't think you're supposed to mention it, though. You're not supposed to do it, but... But you just <laughs> threw them under the bus and actually... But I, yeah, okay, that's... Uh, but what I'm saying is... I know... You can still 
play with people. And, um, you know, Dr. Curly Tech, Stacey, he has got a jungle princess, an, an old EM. Oh, not that old, I think still that was late 70s. Um, and we are going to do a heads up stream with me on a digital version. Why not? Yeah, you can still play together, guys. There you go. There's ways of doing it for sure. And that's the one thing I miss, certainly with COVID-19. I definitely miss the people, but the competition, you know, it kind of gets the blood going. It's fun. So we just kind of gravitate to any kind of competition. It can be a bloody poll on the internet. (laughs) And we can be battling to see what is a better machine based on certain criteria. It could be a crap movie. could be a Stern machine. What's it to be? Oh, yeah, the Stern showdown kind of ended. And um, I got to say, I was surprised at who won. I'm Not that it's not a fantastic game. I just thought pretty high praise pretty early. That's all. So do you yeah, want to so explain is, what happened? Yeah, so so effectively, the, it came down to the, the top two most popular Stern machines as voted by you. Not you, Jeff, but you, the people listening. It was versus, Lord of the Rings versus Iron Maiden. And as soon as I saw those two, I went, okay, you know what? Lord of the Rings, hands down. Because that's what I thought the fans would be voting for. Did that happen, Jeff? No, it didn't. And the funny thing is, I think if you were to talk to Keith, he would probably not even vote for Iron Maiden over Lord of the Rings or over his other game, Jurassic Park. I mean, I know he's proud of it, but I think he's said on this program too, you know, he really likes where... Jurassic Park is. He loves Iron Maiden. Certainly, that's the foot in the door. But uh, listen, it's a great game. But I was kind of shocked that uh, it is the be-all that ends all. Especially, remember when it came out? Oh, I don't like the music, the theme. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it is a great game. There is absolutely no doubt about it. And the fact that it won, I'm not mad at it. No, you know, at the result, I'm not mad. I go, okay, fair enough. Uh, Lord of the Rings, 41% of the vote. It doesn't mean that Lord of the Rings is shit. This is my whole ones and zeros because what it also opened up when when Iron Maiden won, I saw a lot of people going, yeah, Iron Maiden's great, Jurassic Park is shit. What? No, it's not. You you don't have to like one over the other. You can say Iron Maiden absolutely was number one, but a close second was Lord of the Rings. Jurassic Park was also up there. These games are great games. Just, you know, anyway, ones and zeros. Grinds my gears. Marty, you've had Iron Maiden. Yes. You have Lord of the Rings. You have Jurassic Park. Out of those three games, which made the top four, you only get to keep one. Which Jurassic Park. You didn't even blink an eye. No, not even, no hesitation or whatsoever. Jurassic Park, easy. So, you have to give the criteria why you think Jurassic Park is the better of the three. I'm also in the same camp too, by the way. I just, I want to know as somebody who's owned all three, why you think so. It's very easy. I've had Jurassic Park probably for the same amount of time that I had Iron Maiden and probably the same amount of playtime that I've had on Lord of the Rings. I'm done with Lord of the Rings. I feel like I've seen everything I need to do. Iron Maiden, I saw everything I needed to. I didn't feel like I needed to keep going. Jurassic Park... I want to keep playing. It's just got last ability for me. For me. Right? Doesn't mean that it is the best game. Just for me, it's the one that I would keep. And therefore, I think it's the better game. It's interesting because (laughs) we're going to bring this up a little bit later. But just remember that I said this. I think Jurassic Park 
and Iron Maiden have a huge advantage over Lord of the Rings in that there are more than two flippers. I think that's a big factor because that means there are more shots. There are only so many shots you can have on two lower flippers. And Jurassic Park and Iron Maiden gives you a whole variety of other shots to make. I agree with that. However, you knew that was coming. However, you can still get a lot of great, satisfying shots from two lower flippers. And that's what Lord of the Rings does. It has actually got a, a nice variety of shots that, that feel and, and do different things. So it doesn't need an upper flipper. Interesting. Okay. That's what I, that's what I say. And I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I love three flipper games. There you go. I've said it. I prefer three flippers than two. But I'm not, I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, this game's terrible because it's only got two flippers. I don't care whether it's got two or three. I just know that I, I do like three flipper games, but I'm still happy with two flippers. Metallica, I've st- I still say Metallica is Stern's best game ever. It's only got two flippers. I have to agree. That is the one I thought was going to win it all. Apparently, all those Metallica fans that uh, put in 7,000 votes they forgot to pay their internet bill because uh, they missed that last vote. But um, yeah, uh, Metallica is spectacular too. And I did actually stream The Walking Dead in the last fortnight at Ryan C's, and I know that you were watching. And again, it is a two-flipper game. And oh, I tell you what, I want a Walking Dead. I want a Walking Dead in my house. I love the game. I would like to own one as well. I'm shocked to hear you say that. And the reason I say that, if you go and watch you and Ryan play The Walking Dead, I watched for over an hour. Every time you played that game, you blew that game up. Like crazy, ridiculous scores. And I've played that actual machine. It's difficult, but my God, were you good at that game. And so when you say you want that, (laughs) and you've played Iron Maiden, you've played Lord of the Rings, and you've done everything you want to accomplish... What's left with Walking Dead? You were killing it. Okay. I may have gotten good scores, probably because I got a multi-ball and had my multiplier running and got some great scores. I didn't get far into the game, though. So, I mean, I, I, I think I was, what, like 500 mil, and I hadn't even gone into Horde. You know what I mean? So, I, I still, you know, last man standing. I, I still haven't killed enough walkers. I haven't gotten to Siege. There's so much I haven't done. But also... I had these consistently great games. Why wouldn't I want that in my home collection to continually make me feel good? Yeah, you, you really kicked the hell out of that game. That's good. And, yeah, and you, I loved and it. How good was it to finally learn about the Walker Bombs and how to actually... I knew about the Walker Bombs. I didn't know that. Yeah, Howard Dobson told us. Howard Dobson told Ryan because Ryan didn't believe me when I was telling him about Walker Bombs. So, anyway. I mean, if you, if you play... Walking Dead in a tournament because you don't have one at home chances are you're going to be playing on a pro which doesn't have walker bombs so you know not everyone's going to know about that anyway there you go two flipper game I freaking love The Walking Dead it's funny you mentioned not playing a premium or an LE in tournaments I play in a lot of tournaments obviously I haven't over the last four months but I look at the games that have come out recently that I have no clue. I mean, yeah. really, let's think about it. Stranger Things, I've played two games. I could have played more. I chose not to. Mm-hmm. I might have walked away. Yeah. yeah um, I know. Rick and Morty, I've watched a lot of streams about that. Haven't played it yet. Really want to play it. 
I haven't played Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I haven't played Hot Wheels. I haven't played Heist. And my buddy, like 45 minutes away, has one. But I'm not going to anyone's house yet. It's it's not wise. Uh, indoors, all that stuff. I may. We'll see. But uh, not yet. There's all these games I haven't played yet. And it's and I'm, I imagine between now and the time that tournaments start up again, there'll be a lot more. For sure. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Once once the doors are back open, it's like okay, the here are five machines that I've not played before. Thank you. And by that time, we're probably going to have Stern's new machine, whatever that is, because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has been out for a while now. We're we're due another announcement, surely. I did see a bunch of games in a tournament. I don't know if you noticed this with uh, our good friends who were on our episode number two, Jim and Dina Lindsay from JDL Pinball out of Germany. They actually streamed, just the last couple of weeks, an actual pinball tournament. It was in Switzerland. It was the Pinball Alps. And Daniele Achari was there. I mean, one of the greatest players of all time. Mm, He's so good. I mean, they had every new game you can possibly imagine. I don't know if they had Hot Wheels. They definitely had Rick and Morty. They had Stranger Things. I think it was might have been an LE, too. I, I didn't see the projection. Yep. They had Black Knight. They had... They might have had turtles. They just they had Willy Wonka. They had everything from Spooky, if I recall, too, which was pretty cool. It was neat to see a tournament once again. And you're asking, okay, wait a minute. I thought tournaments were banned. The IFPA is kind of on hold right now with COVID-19. Yes and no. The ranking system, the whoppers and all that kind of points that determine the ratings and everything else, that is on hold from the IFPA. That doesn't stop people from playing tournaments. Yeah, tournaments aren't banned. This was a cash tournament, uh, social distancing. Some people were there. And don't you remember years ago when the dollar came out and people were like, ah, that's ridiculous, you're killing pinball, Josh. And he said, I'm not stopping you from playing pinball. You can play pinball, but if you want to be part of the IFPA, it's a dollar membership for the game, for the tournament, so to speak. That's going to go back to the players. But that's what's on hold right now. You can still play pinball. Yeah. yeah. We can't where we are. Absolutely not. But other countries can. Yeah, it's funny. When you say stage four for Australia, here in Canada, and I'm not sure what it's like in Europe or certainly in America, but the stages, the higher the number, the more open it is. It's the other way around for you. So we were at stage two for a long time. Stage three is where we're at now, which means restaurants are open. Believe it or not, casinos are open. Only slots, no touching of the cards or poker chips or things like that. And it's certainly social distance, 25% capacity, every other machine off, that kind of garbage. Restaurants, six feet spacing. You have to have a mask when you're inside, except for when you're eating. That's now opened up. You were there. You've gone back because of some cases. And yeah, I think it's going to be a back and forth thing for a while for us. Yeah. I mean, look, I think probably the, and I say this now, but hopefully they don't get a, a second wave. We, we are obviously going through a second wave of outbreaks, probably worse than the first wave. But I think the, the real poster child for this is New Zealand. Now, in their favour, they are a much, a much smaller country. So, I don't know, maybe there's billions of dollars instead of trillions of dollars that, that are at stake there. But they, they went into very, very strict lockdown very early, closed the borders... Now they're saying that they are virus-free. None in the country whatsoever. So they're not having another wave because they're still, the borders are closed. So nobody's bringing it in. 
the problem with with us is people are bringing it in and people are traveling and spreading it which is not great in canada the canada u.s border has been closed for some time and in fact closed it keeps getting postponed every four weeks so now it's august 21st is the next time they're saying they will relook at it they're going to postpone it another four weeks what breaks my heart i'm in canada and we are the second largest landmass country in the world united states very large very close just like australia is huge but canada and australia i mean we don't have the population like the u.s have we're you're what 25 million yeah, I guess so. Something like that. Between 20 and 30 million, we're 35 million roughly. The U.S. is like 330, 350 million. So they have 10 times as many people. It's tough. And that's obviously increased the numbers. They're just such large cities in the States. And I think we all need to maybe take a page from New Zealand a little bit and be tough for a short period of time to nip this in the bud, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. If it was an easy puzzle to solve it would have been solved you know that brings us to our sponsor of the week marty there's a buzz in the air that everyone is talking about every generation comes a singer who captivates the world not since beatlemania has there been this much hype in the music scene and for all the wrong reasons one plus one is two that's the math i can do 40x and I'm through. Help me. Because multipliers are poo. As a part of the Pinball Network, the final round Pinball podcast must contractually inform you of the new album, Zack Attack and his many hits. This album is a baseball pitcher's wet dream. No hits, but that doesn't stop Zack. Blinded by Dwight. Some call it abuse, another flasher in your eyes. Here's what the critics are saying about the music of Zach Many. This is Zach's wife. Please don't encourage him. Hey, it's Ken Cromwell of Jersey Jack Pinball, and I had to leave the pinball show, honestly, because I couldn't take his singing anymore. And listen to even more praise from his fans. I have to listen to this shit every week. Um, I think he happens to have the voice of an angel. I should know. All you haters can fuck off. Zack is back, so kiss my sack. We've been gold on this pinball soundtrack, and I'm letting loose. I'll drop a deuce on all those pinball haters around. Courageous, annoying, tone deaf, and a darling to several pinside threads. You'll be flipping out to Zack Attack and his many hits. Available now. Warning, may cause nausea, diarrhea, vomit, dogs howling, anal bleeding, genital warts, and spontaneous combustion. It's the final round. Marty, our next guest, back-to-back weeks. You'll remember him last week as the guy who shit the bed in trivia, couldn't advance to the finals. We bring him on anyway. Carl D'Angelo joins us. Hey, Carl, sorry to bring up that uh, fresh memory. It's still fresh, Jeff. Thanks a lot. (laughs) It it still hurts. You don't lose often, so I was shocked that Phil Birnbaum, albeit Canadian, uh, was able to knock you out in a difficult pop bumper question. I know the uh, the podcast uh, listeners couldn't see it but right after that i put on my cone of shame because that was a cone of shame moment marty as soon as he gave his answer he just went ah, like he knew right away he blew it it was the time the time ticking down was uh it was yeah the pressure was on for yeah, sure exactly so what people don't know is that carl you're also known as the very first person i ever met when i went to the u.s for a tournament 
So you're famous for other things as well. Right. So and that was obviously Indesk. And you know, I know, Jeff knows, everyone knows, I still maintain that Indisc is the best tournament in the world. There you go. Wow. That's awesome. And I've been to Pinburg twice. I've been to Papa. I still think Indisc is the best. And I guess we want to do, we do want to talk about Indisc and what's possibly going to happen in, in 2021. But, but before you do that, sorry, you did mention that Carl was the first person that you met. Carl, I want you to relive that moment. Because I remember the first time Marty met me at Papa, and I remember how, you know, I will never forget that moment. What was it like for you meeting Marty Robbins at Indisc? Um, I I have to assume that I was sitting at a registration (laughs) desk and going, name, please. Would you like to buy tickets? Wow. See? Photographic memory. Magic moment. Just like uh, I think uh, I met Marty and he's like, oh, I'm Marty Robinson. I'm like, oh, are you you, you with Jordan Treadaway? And uh, he's like, well, he's he's over there. I'm like, okay, beat it. That was my. (laughs) It was pretty much exact. That's the Marty touch. I think I was more stunned that someone traveled so far for that tournament when it hadn't gotten. I mean, it was getting bigger, but it hadn't reached the level it is now, of course. So I was surprised to see an international traveler arriving. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I had only decided to come over four days before it started i was i was i had a month of leave i was on vacation and i was just a bit bored and i thought oh what can i do and i just sort of looked at what tournaments were going on indis was in four days bought my ticket and came over but the reason why i i bring that up and, and it's, we've talked about it previously about what makes a tournament successful is you know I've, I'm fresh off the plane I've arrived I, I've, I've driven from LA to Banning to you know the, the middle of let's face it middle of nowhere oh, right. and yeah. you're the first person that I see and I don't know what's going on and, and it's memorable because we've always sort of said that as a, a tournament organizer or tournament director you are the first impression that people are going to get of the tournament and that's what I got from you was it was it was positive. It was enthusiasm. It was here are the rules. Here's what you need to know. Go and have fun. Come and see me if you've got any further questions. And that's obviously the, the first impression. But it's sort of leading on to the the bigger question, which is why do you think Indisc has become such a successful tournament? And it's now obviously one of the big the big majors. So why has it been successful? Do you think? I think the quality of the tournament, um, the work that Jim puts into the games to make sure that everything is running just at its peak, you know, the best it can be. Um, the games are fair, so no one feels cheated out when they're playing their entries. The uh, the variety holding every year, you never know what games are going to come up and games that aren't normally used in tournaments, so that's always exciting. Um, the venue has definitely become more of a draw over the years. I, know, I think the year you came, that first year, was the year that we only had like a single row of games on at the museum, right? There were you you had the main bank, but you also had the classics bank as well. Right, we had those, but the first year we ran at the museum, the museum didn't allow us to turn on all the pinball machines. So it was just in disc held at the museum of pinball. Whereas now we've grown, so they're they're turning on all the machines. Like it's a 
big festival for them as well now. So the well, actually, the first time I went was Arcade Expo two. So ah, it, okay. yeah, you know what I mean. So it was when both happened together, but then Arcade Expo three moved later in the year, and you still kept right. in this running. Right, and we liked the January dates, and we thought that was one of our positive things because you know the rest of this country or most of it is in snow at the time of year. We we think people want to get out of the snow, travel to California, where typically it's not too cold at that time of year. Um, there are exceptions, of course, but uh, you know people from the the east or come in their shorts in our winter time. They're like, oh, this is nothing, and I'm, we're freezing over here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you have to wear cargo shorts. It's part of the uniform. Hello. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what else? Um, I think the the streaming has helped because that that um, that broadens the audience for the tournament. So people watch it. They see how well it's going. They want to come. They hear word of mouth from people that have come that say it's it's run well. Our prize pools are generous. We don't we don't skimp on the B division prizes. We make sure that B division players are paid appropriately. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> just saying that. Okay. So it's not all about the top end. It's a it's just a very well-rounded tournament and because it's grown, you know, so much, I I, I hope we've scaled up well to the size we are. I mean, it, it, I, I still can't believe, you know, when we started, we were in a little back of a bar. That's where a league is held with eight machines for the tournament. And now we're, you know, this massive, we're taking up half of a hall at the museum of pinball. It's, it's insane. Well, I think there was probably about 150, 160 people when I went for the first time. How many people are competing now? It was around four or 500. CC, my, my memory is a, a little, uh, it's failing on me. Yeah. You can't count up to five pop bumpers. You think you can count the number of people at Indisc last year? <laughs> I have to admit something right now is is I haven't been paying attention to any tournament stuff since the uh, since all these lockdowns, isolation. You know, it's been nice not having to set up my uh, software for all these different tournaments. So it's just kind of been in the back of my mind. I haven't thought about Indisc too much. I haven't thought about the software. I should be writing new stuff for the software, but I'm not working on other stuff. So. That kind of stuff, it just kind of faded away, I think. But yeah, I, it was around four or 500, if I'm not mistaken. I could look it up. And- At least you have the venue that can hold that many people. I know that is a logistical concern, at least projecting how you're going to run this tournament, how many volunteers are needed, how many techs. You talked about the work that Jim did, but there were a lot of techs that, that helped out. The volunteers, the TDs, the scorekeeping, all of that. It's such a big, big project. And Marty, I know you can appreciate this with your Melbourne Silverball tournament. The magnitude of this tournament, it doesn't start out this way. It grows, like you say. But one of the key foundations of running any good tournament is really the software. Yeah, So that players know what they're doing, where they have to go, how to enter. And it all starts with the Never Drains software. And Carl, I mean, I can't imagine some of the tournaments I've played. And I would imagine, and Marty, you're the same. If that didn't exist, these tournaments would stink. I have to think someone else would step up and do something by now. Take the compliment, for God's sake. <laughs> no, no. That. <laughs> uh, you know why I wrote that? Have I told you the story of why I wrote the software? No. I can't remember which year it was. I was going to California Extreme. It was either the second or third time. I had just gotten into competitive pinball. You know, it used to be you bought your seven entries for $20 or whatever it was. And you get a sheet of paper and you hand that sheet of paper over to a scorekeeper and they write down your name or they write down the game you're going to play and they stick it in their stack. 
So you have no idea when you're going to be playing this game. You're just waiting. I remember I was waiting to play Ripley's, believe it or not. And it must have been about 10 deep. But you couldn't tell because the scorekeeper would have to keep them. They'd have to shuffle through the papers to find you. Uh, um, you're you're five, six, seven. You're seven back, seven away. So that that's why I wanted the queuing, which is really why I wanted to write the software. And then people would put they would buy multiple papers. So you would have one set of entries playing in main, one set of entries playing in classics. So some would be playing on main, and they'd be called over to play a classics game, which just throws everything else off because if you knew you were you know third or fourth in line, you go take a break, you go walk around. You skip a player, you're missed, and it throws off everything. So people that don't play in tournaments are wondering what you're talking about. Your software prevents cheating the system in a way is that you sign up for whatever game it is, whatever bank it is, and that's where you're in the queue as opposed to I've got a foot in this door, a foot in that door. You're in whatever you decide to be in. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people who don't like competitions will say, I don't want to wait around, wait around. Well, with your software, you're going to have to wait. That's fine. But you know when you're going to be playing. It will send you a text. You can see the queue line. You can go off and do other things like in banning and check out the, I don't know, 500 machines or whatever they have there in the other room. There's so much to do. You can go grab a bite to eat. You can relax. That's what's the wonderful thing about the Never Drain software. Exactly. Well, further to that, you can actually look at all the machines and you can see how many people are queued up on them. So you make the decision of whether you're going to go for, let's say, an EM that's got seven people in the queue, but you know that it's going to move very quickly, or a longer playing game that's got three or four people. But you know, and also it sort of gives you an estimate of how long it's going to take for you to get onto that machine. So it's, it's your decision on what you're going to do next. And that information is really good as a player. Yes, invaluable, I'd say. <laughs> but more so than that. So that's that's for the user experience. And, and I've obviously, I've used Never Drains for the Melbourne Silver Ball Championship twice, I think, maybe three times. Let's just, let's just say it's twice. And the feedback that I get from the player is how easy it is for them to use because they can all just access it via their mobile phone. They can, you know, select which machine they want to go on and then they can queue it. They can also see their points. They can see other people's points as well. As a TD, as a tournament director, the interface that you've built for me to run a tournament has everything that you could possibly need. And I remember for the first time I I ran the tournament, I was thinking, oh, geez, what happens if something goes wrong and I'm over the other side of the world and I can't get any support because you're going to be asleep? But the good thing is, every single time it has run just absolutely rock solid and it's just a very user-friendly interface for a tournament director to fix scores, to add entries, to you know put the, the machine banks in there and to audit at the end. So you've obviously had a focus on the tournament director experience, not just the player experience. Right, right. And a lot of that at the very beginning was modeled after um, Adam Lefkoff's software that he had. So he had a, a Windows client that you would run. And a lot of the player side was based on that. And then the uh, admin side was just, um, I feel one of my specialties is, uh, is UI and just usability, basically. So I always thought, what would make this easy for me to run? And I mean, that's how the thing started, too. It, it never, I never intended this to go wide. It was just for me to run at Indisc, or what was Indisc at the time, at the very beginning. Um, it blew up. 
one thing I've noticed, and again, I've never used it on the organizer side. I've just used it as a player. But something that I've seen recently is kind of a winnings pool. And so this does audits that you would obviously see as an administrator, but now that can be relayed to the players too. Oh, look at this pool bank is going up and up and up. Not that that's the reason you play, but it's kind of nice to see that transparency and the Neverdream software offers that. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons our high stakes bank got so high this past Indisc was people saw the prize pool uh, rising and rising and rising. We were very stunned at how large that got this year. Yeah, it certainly benefits the, the pump and dump sort of herb style format as well, which every entry goes into the prize pool. And, and I, it was the same for the last Melbourne Silver Bowl in that, you know, I think we had additional maybe $4,000 in prize money that just came from additional entries. Mm-hmm. It gives people that, that visibility that they know if they go and put more money in and let's say they don't do anything great with those additional entries, at least they know it's still going to the prize pool. Right, right. And the, so the way that works in the software is you have a set of percentages you can set up for each uh, division and uh, break your prizes based on that. So you can even split like the A and B division 60-40 or ho- however you want. Or uh, or if you have some admin fees you have to take out of the top before you split the um, prize pool up, you can do that as well. Yeah, and it's easy for me because I just I just send you a note saying, "Hey, Carl, I'm doing it again. Remember, I'm absolutely ripping off the Indisc format, so just <laughs> copy everything across." <laughs> Carl, you talked about the high stakes tournament. Now, right now, with the way the IFPA is with COVID nineteen, there is no competitive pinball for Whopper points, but we are seeing tournaments show up for dollars and. There's some other tournaments too that have, you know, some, some prizing elements. It's just really smaller scale, you know, masks, social distancing, all the important things. But if we don't have competitions for a while, I wonder how many more of these cash-based tournaments are going to show up. And I know when you had the high stakes tournament and it grew and grew and grew, one of the comments you mentioned to me, and I think you said it on air, so I hope I'm not telling tales out of school here, is that if you were to run it again because of how big it is, you're going to care less about Whopper points, otherwise maximizing the Whopper tournament and just focus in on the cash aspect of it because that is the nature of that tournament. Right. That division was never built for, for TGP for high Whoppers. It was built to be a, this is a high-end division, high stakes, high, you know, high entry fee. It was $50 to play four games? Play four games, yep. So that is a high ticket. And uh, of course, there were some great discount packages too, but $50 to play four games and that money goes into the pool. And what happened is the pool got bigger and bigger and bigger. And so then with more players, one of the IFPA rules is the very minimum you have to have is if you have 40 players, you have to take in at least 10% maximum 50%. You wanted to do the minimum, but as that number grew and grew, that expanded the playoffs in the time that was needed for that tournament. Yeah, exactly. We we had budgeted for 80 people max for an eight-player final, and we got up to 150-some-odd for a 16-player final. We, we were forced to do a 16-player final. I think it was, right? Well, whatever it was, it added time, and that was the concern because that was kind of the tournament that ended the Indisc, and you have hard times to get out of there. So that was the stress level you were receiving. Yeah, because those, uh, yeah, the main tournament we knew was going to be long with 40 players. And so the uh, we wanted high stakes as short as possible, which obviously didn't happen. So we were, thankfully, we didn't run 
terribly long. We didn't run overtime. The, the, and the museum, thankfully, is very flexible. And if we run long, they're okay with it. They let us run. They let us finish out the event. We don't have to have a hard cutoff time. You know, if we ran to 2 a.m., you know, it, we still could. It wouldn't be right, but we could. They'd let us. They've got a guy there that would shut down everything after we left for the night. So moving forward, does that tournament then become even a higher stakes tournament so that hopefully less people play or you don't care about the IFPA points and you'll just, you know what, no matter how many people are in, eight people finals, that's it. See, it's, it's either that because of the time crunch that we have or, so yeah, it's either reduce the number of finalists and don't care about IFPA or we raise the entry fee. So it's going to be one of those two. We, we haven't discussed it as a, as a team yet. But I know that's the first thing I mentioned after the tournament ended was raising it to 75 or 100 in entry or just getting rid of the uh, whopper. So you just have whatever the final eight players, you know, whatever you earn for an eight player final, that's what they earn. So one thing I've noticed, obviously, is that it, it is in disc. So it never drains in Southern California. And it's now the main tournament is called the Open. And it is one of the Stern Pro Circuit events. What changes did you need to make moving it to the open? There really wasn't too much. Josh came up to us with that idea of, of becoming that uh, the new major. And he, he really, his only main concern was not having too many wacky games in the bank. <laughs> like barbed wire? Right, like barbed wire and uh, Rescue 911 and you know all that stuff. So have uh, 50% of the games be, quote, unquote, normal tournament games and apart from that they were more helpful just to you know they josh wanted to get the open up and running he said it's been an idea of his for a long time but he didn't have you know he figured another 10 years before he could get something off the ground so partnering with us could let him get that off the ground and gave us additional exposure and uh some prize assistance the reason we were able to go to credit card payments for entries was because of the ifpa so everything funneled through their system their payment processor, which was fantastic. Uh, not having to deal with so much cash was extremely helpful. Had you already gone from the pump and dump format to a card format? Yes. Yeah, we did that, I want to say, three years ago. Okay, so why did you do that, and are you glad that you did it? I am glad we did it. I think the that format holds players to it's a more difficult format so you have to be consistent and we wanted to run one of the best tournaments in the world and felt that format was the format to hold players accountable to so to speak and we figured with papa having switched to the best game format there was a void in the uh, in the landscape and we decided to fill it are the results of now what you're seeing what you set out to achieve Yes, yes, I, I definitely would say that. We still have some people that we've had some locals that are extremely unhappy with the decision to move the card format because it's a more difficult format. But uh, we're we're very pleased with the change, and we'll continue with that for the foreseeable future. Another addition, and you keep adding things. I mean, years ago, of course, you added the women's tournament, the high stakes tournament. Last year, Carl, you didn't have enough on your plate. You had to do that huge match play classics event. To kick off in disc, we wanted to add another day, so we thought, how are we going to pull people in on a Thursday? Because Thursdays are generally light. You know, you got to. It's another vacation day people have to take. I remember the uh, Papa tournaments Thursday was always the lightest day there. So we thought, how do we pull people in here? And the match play ideal was, was born. We were questioning if we could actually pull it off with the number of games we needed, but I think we did. Those were all mostly the museums games. 
that we were able to use for that tournament in the other hall, not uh, where the main banks were for uh, for Indisc. So, uh, Marty, you might remember where the tournament used to be held. That's where the classics were that first time you came. So we had the uh, banks there. Oh, right in that back corner. Right, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do know. Jason Wardrick won that. I can't remember who finished second. Who was second? Uh, <laughs> who was second? Mm-hmm. It escapes me right now, but anyway. Okay, 2021. I know it's <laughs> like we've, we're what, five, six months away from when Indisc would be. I know you haven't talked about it. What are your thoughts on Indisc 2021 happening in January? My own personal opinion is that it's in. It will not happen. I, we haven't talked together as a team about it, but the landscape of how things are happening here with COVID, it's a uh, we're not trending uh, in the good direction. So, listen, everybody likes to be number one, but California now. Uh, no, I'd love to get out of my house. I really would, but uh, I'm stuck here. So, I, I, it's well, we're we're less than six months away, right? It's it's almost it's August, just about. So it's it's. Probably not going to happen is my guess. When do you have to actually make commitments as far as deposits and everything else that you have to do in advance? I mean, you have shirts, you have merchandise, you have those incredible gold coins that were pretty neat. There's all kinds of things you have to do. Organizing the volunteers. When does that take place normally? In October. That's when the real crunch to do things is. Uh, we, we, we start talking even now around this time. We would be starting to plan things. Jim's prepping games. Uh, Jay getting all the uh, extra stuff, like the challenge coins, prepping all that. But um, so October is really when we crank down, finalize plans, finalize games, and and so on. Get to make sure the museum is good with the dates because they wait until they finish their pinball madness event in October, typically. And then after that's over, we rearrange the arcade side to put the pinballs in or figure out where we're putting things. So right around there. But again. August, September, October, it's it's just, it's it's tight. And for me personally, I think without, you know, a large event, it's 500 plus people in just the tournament alone, without a, a vaccine for this or therapeutics or something available, I just don't see it happening. Would you write it off for 2021 and just go, yep, let's just reconvene in 2022? I would myself, yes. Yeah, my own personal opinion, yes. I, I've already in my mind written it off. Of course, I, I really should talk to Jim. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I know, I know I've know, i mentioned it to Jay a little too, and he, he's starting to see it as well. You know, a couple months back, he was like, oh, maybe it could happen. But uh, he's starting to come to the side. I think that, yeah, it's just not going to happen this year. And it's sad because we enjoy running it. He mentioned to me that he, you know, it's the thing he looks forward to the most in, in getting the games ready, setting things up. It's, and it's, it's sad. It sucks. Yeah, look, I'm absolutely in the same boat. Admittedly, on a on a lower scale, we we had 150 people last year, and I also haven't spoken to the, to the organisers of Flip Out, which is the the pinball event that my tournament is run at, and that's due to due to being like at the beginning of December, we were saying we haven't had the conversation about whether it's going ahead or not. <laughs> it's not going to go ahead, and I feel exactly the same thing because. It's a lot of work that goes into it, but you really look forward to running the event, seeing the results, seeing everybody have a good time, and that's not going to happen. So I, I know your pain, and I'm, I'm probably going to do the same thing and just go, let's worry about it the next year. Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't want to admit it, but I have to admit it. I know COVID has taken us on a different path, but I remember a few years ago when the dollar was brought into the IFPA, 
And Josh would say, look, we're not stopping you from playing pinball. Go ahead and play pinball. If you don't want to be part of the IFPA, no one's stopping you. But it's incredible. Like you could do your event in Australia. You could do Indus. You could do any event. What's the turnout going to be without the Whopper? And of course, there's the factor of, well, there's the safety aspect. But really, I think that is one of the biggest reasons Indisc has grown as large as it has is because you've got two classics events. You've got a classics match play. You've got a high stakes. You've got the women's. You've got the open. There are so many, quote unquote, opportunities that makes it a very attractive pinball vacation destination. Right. Right. And that's it. We wanted a lot of variety there to, to grab anybody that came in the door. And I, and I'm, I'm disappointed because next year I really wanted to have Jim bring his big buck hunter and oh, put it there for it. everyone to play. I was going to put a thousand dollar prize for anyone that could, uh, could get to open season during the tournament. <laughs> well, there you go. Marty, this whole conversation, I mean, we just, we were really fluffing you up a little bit to talk about Indisc. I mentioned <laughs> this before. This is an absolute intervention, Carl, and your stupid obsession with Big Buck Hunter. All right, Carl, that was disgusting, pathetic. I wanted to reach out and give you a hug, virtually, of course, when we were watching on IE Pinball, you trying to get to open season on Big Buck Hunter. Carl, I say this in all sincerity. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Could not have said it better. <laughs> what is wrong with you? You don't know what I'm thinking of now either, what I'm trying to come up with or trying to do. Oh, tell us. Go ahead. No, no, I'm just sick. That's all. You can just you can just say it. I'm sick. Well, no, I'm, I asked Jim because I get these games generally from Jim because I don't, I don't have them. And he's got a lot of games just sitting around right now. So I asked him, do you have a Stern Indiana Jones maybe? Because I've never seen that done. Oh, I have the, no idea how oh, long okay. The is. new one? The new one. I just think, from what I've read, it sounds like a grind to get there. It doesn't sound that difficult, but a grind. It's a grind. Buck Hunter sounded easy on the surface. The goals didn't look like much. There was just something about that game and how drainy it is that, oh, my gosh. It was it was infuriating. At the same time, I think I should have held off on finishing it to keep my viewership up on Twitch. I'm, I was really trying to get partnered. And I was close to getting you know the average number of viewers I needed to get partnered. I should have thrown it. Right. So, well, that's what I was going to ask because obviously I've watched you do that stream a number of times and I think we said it was maybe the 15th session that you got it. But I, I thought that you knew that it was a really difficult wizard mode to get to and that's why you chose it. But you're saying that's not the case. Well, no, no. I knew it was difficult. I hadn't heard of anyone doing it until I had uh, one guy email me and I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Um, and then... Uh, Zach McCarthy said he had done it. But those are the only two accounts I'd ever heard of anyone actually finishing this. I knew, like Josh, thought it was insane. So I knew it was a tough challenge. And that's why I made a uh, video before I started the series to, to, to lay out the goals. You know, I actually filmed some footage and made a nice intro video for this challenge. I saw that, yeah. Right, because I expected it to take a while. But I didn't. I expected Iron Man to take me a while when I did that. And that took three days. So I thought, okay, I can, you know, if I play this enough, I'll get it done in a week. Yeah, it's a long time, I feel, of playing the same game over and over again. A week passed. I got into day eight, then day nine, and then the insanity started you know, seeping in. What One stream, I decided any time I fumbled the ball, I would take a shot of sake, which <laughs> is crazy. Yeah. So it just started you know, built and built and built until finally I, I, I did it on day 15. But yeah, I'm 
insane to do it. Hey, Carl, I love watching you on Twitch, on IE Pinball, do these wizard modes, and you did Sperm Attack on Family Guy. I can't believe you did the wizard mode on the Simpsons Pinball Party. You're doing it on other games. I think you are nuts to try it on Stern's Indiana Jones. Holy grind, my God. And what's weird about that, too, is anybody who's a competitor knows how to play that game. You just keep hitting the captive ball scoop thing over and over and over again. Rinse, repeat, do it over again. That's it. Oh, Carl, you're a madman. But I do like that you have courage to try to do all of these wizard modes. I mean, the, the, my thought is I want to get games on camera that you don't normally see. So no one had filmed the Big Buck Hunter wizard mode. No one had filmed the Family Guy wizard mode, Sperm Attack. You know, I've heard of people getting there, but no one had it on camera. Same with Simpsons. I don't think there was a film version of uh, Super Duper Mega Stream Wizard Mode. So that's kind of what led me down Indiana Jones. I thought uh, Avengers, too, would be one interesting one to do also. But I don't know anyone with an Avengers, so... What I like about those, first of all, yes, you don't see them streamed at all. You probably might have a few years ago, but not now. But here's what I really liked about Big Buck Hunter, was I got to see so much more of the game that I'd never seen before because you have to play the entire game to be able to to get to the end and I'm I'm keen more so Avengers than I am Indiana Jones even though I've said I quite enjoy Indiana Jones I I'm I'm a big fan of that era of Stern I know a lot of people aren't but I was always a big fan of Big Buck Hunter but I'd love to be able to see so much more of Avengers and nobody streams it anymore right exactly well, no one has it either around here that I know of. So that's that's the that's challenge number one. What does that tell you, for God's sakes? I, oh, hey, 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 hey. Okay, so I had an Avengers here once. I uh, um, a friend of mine was moving, and he wanted me to babysit his game. So he had me pick him up from his uh, workplace, and I had him here for for a good two months. And I went through the game. I know what's involved in Avengers. I've beaten it. It's it's a it's a grind. But no one's done it on camera and you don't see it so it would be interesting instead of seeing the same games over and over that that you see on streams a lot you know you see a lot of jurassic now i mean i i'm i'm guilty i'm playing jurassic now you see a lot of deadpool team and t starting to come up everywhere so it's nice to have something different i think so with big buck hunter the general consensus is people don't really like that game and i don't know what your thoughts are before what are your thoughts on the game after shit (laughs) (laughs) so sorry sorry (laughs) <laughs> uh, I worry it's going to give me nightmares if I see it again, but I, I, I don't think it's a bad game. I think it's uh, actually decently balanced score-wise. Uh, the goals are ridiculous. Yeah, so I wouldn't, you know, I never want to play for the wizard mode again. I never want to play for open season, but I'll play the game. I still enjoy it. I, the, I think the Black Mac is, is nice as long as it's tweaked and works well. And just in general, the, you know, if you talk rule sets, just some minor tweaks here and there, really, to, to make open season a little more attainable. But apart from that, I think the game's well done. Well, it, it was a massively loaded question because, you know, I've, I've always said that, that it's, a, it's a decent game. It's certainly not a AAA title, but it, it's better than people give it credit. And yeah. you're proving that. But more so, more so, I'm keen to know whether people's opinions on Avengers will change because it gets a bad <laughs> rap. I think it's a better game than people give it credit. Even George Gomez, who was on Pinball Profile recently, said, I kind of made Deadpool to have that same shot the shot that does the hard left turn in this case goes up the ramp because the one in Avengers didn't really work going up and then a hard left it rattled and and that was the problem with that game I actually think Avengers is a good game too I I enjoy it and I think it gets a bad rap I think it's underrated 
I was going to say, you haven't played a tweaked one then, because if you play one that's been set up right and that ramp has been fixed, it, it shoots nicely. The game is just a spellathon, though. You have to shoot the shots so many times to get anywhere in there. We look forward to seeing you do that. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone has one to borrow in SoCal, you know, hit me up. I'll do it. I'm up for it. But also, don't forget, Avengers got a relatively big code update sort of later in its life, so nobody has really streamed any of that that code update. So I've not myself really seen any of what it's got to offer now. Right. The game I had here, I had it before that code update, so I still haven't played that code update. So I'm curious to see it too. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. You were talking about tweaking it, and that made it better. I've seen you play Rick and Morty, and I know that there was some tweaking done. You, you've talked about it before, and I think there were some posts and whatnot. What was the tweaking you had to do? Because I got to tell you, I'm a huge fan of that layout. It looks great. And I've heard from yourself and others that some slight adjustments had to be made. Right. And I I made a big post on Penn's side um, with all the changes I made. It's it's in the big Rick and Morty thread there. It's one of the highlighted posts in it or whatever. The, I forget the term they use. Um, but I relocated several of the ball guides in the game because I felt it didn't shoot as well as as it should, in my opinion. And these are all my opinions. No one has to really do this. I know since since after the shutdown, Spooky has started changing the orbit shot, the, the big loop shot that uh, that was the main complaint from people. Um, they've taken out two screws and kind of given the, the guide a bit more of a um, curve, which is what I had done on this one. So I, I modified that. I modified the right orbit because I found when I would shoot that shot, the right orbit goes from above the upper right flipper to the garage. And what would happen is the ball would bounce off of there and then come in this turnaround shot, which is it would come backwards through this shot and go straight out in the middle. And it's not designed to do that. And then there's that lane right to the left of the right orbit as well. Right. The garage shot, the main garage shot. I just, so I changed the geometry on that, too. I pulled the I pulled the rail back and I actually had to take the wood, one of the wood guide rails on the side of the uh, play field. I had to pull it up so I could push one of the tabs under there to give it more um, depth on the shot. I, it just needs a bit more of a curve, in my opinion, to to grab the ball. So it was too sudden a movement, and the ball would uh, kind of ricochet off the guide and bounce around. And that's why so many of the shots would not complete. It's good to hear that Spooky's made those changes, though. I mean, that's uh, I was just talking to Todd McCulloch, who enjoys the game. He was uh, uh, saying how much he likes it, and I know there are a lot that are going to be receiving it. So, you know, I would say that about almost any company, any game. If you get a game first off the line, there have been reports of problems that have since been fixed. Right, right, exactly. And the game I have here is game number four. So, you know, very early in the run. So, the, yeah, it's great that Spooky is listening to to what others, you know, other owners have been saying and, and making adjustments on the line uh, to improve the game as it goes out. Do you think it makes a good tournament game? I think it has the potential to, yes, certainly. Um, there's a lot of risk and reward, especially in the uh, Mega Seeds component on the game. Getting into other dimensions and collecting those Mega Seeds for your uh, large bonuses can can be very lucrative, but risky too. I was watching Daniele play it at that Pinball Alps tournament that was streamed on JDL Pinball. And I wouldn't say Daniele is an aggressive player, but maybe just the way it was set up. He was tilting on almost every ball in the little demo he did. That is a game... You do not want to tilt. You know, a lot of the newer games, a lot of the stern games aren't big bonus based. There are some that are, but most are not in the last few years. This Rick and Morty game is a huge bonus game. 
Right, right. A lot. Of, I mean, I've had my biggest game. I think I had a sixty million bonus from some of the mega seeds. So yeah, it can be huge. Most most games average around ten to twelve million. I'd say. I'd say in a tournament, if you get ten to twelve million, you're probably having a pretty good game. What are your thoughts on other recent games that have been released? Do you get Do you get a chance to play them? I haven't. Not the most recent stuff like Hot Wheels and and Team and I haven't I haven't played yet because I haven't gotten out of my house. What do you think of Stranger Things? They look fun. I need to play it more. I I played it really early on. So the code was very basic. It was pretty much just play telekinesis multiball over and over again. In fact, one of the videos I'll have going up on YouTube very soon is the uh, Pembroke satellite. You can see that. You know, I, I play the game during the tournament. And it's around a billion game just playing telekinesis pretty much. You were avoiding the demigorgon and the center visor? Oh, yeah. But see, I think this was before. I can't remember if it was if it was before the change where you had to hit the uh Demogorgon in the you know in the hole you had to get the ball in to complete it if I remember and now it's a bash toy right now it's a bash toy that uh, has a health bar they hit so many times or you get in the middle to complete it immediately so stranger things the code keeps changing you know we talked about Rick and Morty and the geometry what is the problem with stranger things I see the left ramp have some rejects unfortunately you know you look like you've got a clean shot up there boom comes straight back down of course any shot to the center visor and the demigorgon can put your ball in peril. What are your thoughts on, you know, is, is is that something that can be tweaked or is it just the way it is? Well, the the left ramp is more a pro or premium thing. The, on the pro, it, it goes right around. It's the it's the lock on the premium that it's that extra, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Have you played the premium? No, I have not. Because at the very top of the ramp, there's basically a jump ramp to get the ball to lock, do the magnetic lock on the backboard. So it's that extra jump ramp. It just needs that little extra bit of momentum to get up there. And that's why you see the rejects on the on the premium. Anything can be tweaked, I think. I've, I've heard, I've read about uh, Demogorgons changing the angle on them, making them angle a little uh, downward towards the playfield, fixes some, some of it, or changing the height. So it's just a matter of, you know, once you get the game, if it doesn't play right, just make some minor modifications and see if you can get it to play right. It needed a magnet, is what it needed. On the Demogorgon, instead yeah. of shooting it through to have it capture it? Just something to bring it in there. Uh, having a magnet at least will, you know, get it in the, in the mouth, so to speak. Yeah, I could see that. Kind of like the ring on, on the rings. So it sounds to me like another top player is probably going to go and work for one of the manufacturers. Is that what's going to happen? You're going to now going to work for Stern? No, that's not going. It's not going to happen. I, I don't believe so. No, I'm uh, I'm here in California for life. I think so. So so obviously we're talking about about streaming, and I would say, i.e., pinball is pretty much the gold standard for when it comes to streaming quality i guess so i mean you've obviously got your, your big setup again another thing i completely ripped off so my multi <laughs> my multi-camera well in actual fact I, you know this because I, I reached out to you the the right. gear that i've got so the the capture cards the the cameras everything the the switches as well is all what you use as well has that been an evolution for you and do you care about whether it's the best quality all I care is that, um, that my streams have, uh, uh, yeah, I hold myself to a certain standard, so I do want to have high quality. But I do see a lot of other streams now that are, are tremendous quality as well. So I, I like how everyone else has, has, has risen up, you know, especially with the uh, with COVID. And there's so many streamers out there, and so many have have done such a great job. I, I I'm blown away at how many people stream too. Evolution of my stuff, yeah. You mentioned that you use the cameras and switches, and I. Don't use those anymore, really. No, because you've got your mobile rig. Yeah, I shoot with the mobile rig, but now I'm using mirrorless cameras. What? So I'm using like SLR style mirrorless 
digital cameras instead of camcorders on my stuff. Holy shit, you're vain. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people do, though. So I'm not the only one. Yeah, uh, Especially, like, look at Jack. Jack's doing that, too. So you're, I know, yeah, so I know you're for a fact. talking about it. You've got these GX something cameras. What are they? Right, the Panasonic GX85. And I just picked those because they are one of the cheapest ones you can find used. And, uh, well, I've, I've had one for a long time. And I thought one day, you know, because it was my general point-and-shoot camera that I would take out and, you know, when I'm out in the world and we want to take photos of things. So I thought I'd try it one day on the on the playfield, and colors looked better than the, the Sony camcorder, just that the, the focus was tighter, I felt, and it did low light really well. It does look great, Carl. All right, enough patting yourself on the back. It looks awesome, but the one thing you're missing, all right, and I'm defending my good buddies in upstate New York, is you don't have karaoke like the Slam Tilt podcast guys do. There's no Stu McVicker. There's no Bruce Nightingale singing ELO songs. Sorry, the bar has been set and you aren't there yet. Yeah, I'm solo. That's my problem. I need someone else here. Uh, I watch a lot of um, game time television now. I don't know if you've, uh, you know, um, of Ryan and Leslie or not. Uh, they they make drinks on their on their show. They, they'll make a tiki drink every every year. Uh, yeah, I met them in San Francisco. What are they doing? They're, they're streaming twice a week now on uh, Tuesdays and Saturdays. And it's just a fun show. The, the dynamic of having two people there is something I wish I had here. Someone to read the chat, someone to interact with. And it's, it's hard being a single player and just reading the chat and trying to interact with chat and playing. I don't know how Jack does it so well. So it's something I, I, mean, I think I'm getting better at it over time, but that's where I feel I struggle with my streams. Yeah, well, so I've actually now got some additional people streaming on Melbourne Silver Bowl. And, and I say the, the hardest thing, well, it's not that hard, but it, it's the, the most awkward thing that you need to get used to when you first stream is talking as though there are people there or people that aren't there. You've got to talk regardless of what your audience is. And that's a bit uncomfortable, but you get used to it really quickly. Right, exactly. And yeah, if, if, you know, I try not to look and see who's watching, and I just try and talk all the time when I'm playing. That's the, at least I'm trying to do that now. So I'm not silent, except unless I get deep in a game, then I kind of focus in and get silent, I noticed. I was on with Chuck Webster, and I was not streaming, but I had an iPad on a stepladder tilted towards the play field, and I was wearing a headset so I could hear Chuck talk, and we did an ICR challenge. And I was trying to talk to him because I knew it was being streamed, Talking while you're playing and concentrating is not easy. I mean, I guess if you do it more and more, it becomes a little more natural. But boy, did that ever screw me up when it came to playing. Exactly. A lot of practice. That's all I can say. Uh, just do it over and over again. I don't, I'll still drain while looking at the chat. So, yeah, it's, it's just part of it. Not that I want to bring this up, but considering you mention every single episode that you won your championship when you came out I haven't this episode, but thank you very much. There you go. Time to bring it up. Um, when th- this is when we, we played at the the trash talker at Pinburg, when you and everybody was trying to distract me and I was playing, and it made no difference because I am so used to having to multitask as I'm playing via stream. And you're used to people shit talking all the time as well. So correct <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, especially you. So we made it into a podcast. <laughs> we did. Uh, you guys are great, Carl. Thanks very much. Oh, Indiana Jones, that's the next one. Avengers. COVID's got to stop, man. You're going nuts. Well, there's other ones. There's World Poker Tour. There's Star Trek, the Stern Trek. There's oh, uh, nice. ACDC, get it to Encore again. You know, just, there's a lot in the queue. It's just a matter of what games will arrive here. 
You mentioned ACDC. I was never close to Encore until COVID, and now I've been able to do it four times. Still not completed, and I don't really want to reveal what it is for those that don't know, because it is a great wizard mode. It is, yes. That'd be good for people to see. So best of luck to you, Carl. And uh, if Indisc happens, you know, we'll be there when it does happen. Yeah, we'll see you around sometime. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Thank you. So there you go. Carl D'Angelo, first person I met at a tournament in the US. What did we learn? He didn't remember it, just like I didn't remember it uh, mm-hmm. when he said hi to me at Papa. <laughs> you need to be a little more flashy. Let everyone mm-hmm. know who you are. Anyway, what a good person for you to meet because, like you say, and I agree, that was a good point that you brought up. When you're running a tournament, it's not just the tournament itself and being in queue and the gameplay and all that. It's that first impression of, am I going to have fun? Is this a welcoming atmosphere? You felt it with Carl. I'm sure people feel it with you with Melbourne Silverball Championship. And that is very underrated. But again, I'm glad you brought up that point. Yeah, well, it re- reminds me of my my actual first tournament experience was was here in Melbourne. It was a, a, a you know we call them comps at uh, in in Northcote, and the very 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 first person that greeted me was Jimmy Nails. And anyone that knows Jimmy Nails, he runs the Brisbane Masters, and he he was in Melbourne, then moved to Brisbane, and it's just no wonder that it has just grown and grown and grown because he is that face of the tournament and he is incredibly welcoming, really supportive, really passionate and just wants every single person there to have the best possible time they can have and there's a a tournament where somebody wins in the background, if you know what I mean. But the most important thing is for people to have a good time. It's important. It is the most important thing because there can only be one winner in a tournament. There are other tournaments and you can do well and all that stuff, but it has to be about the experience. I think you heard and commented on it when I had Juana Summers on Pinball Profile. She is part of the Women's Advisory Board for the IFPA, a brilliant woman. And her first experience playing in a league was being disqualified on the very first game she ever played. That could be discouraging for people. They had to follow the rules because it was a tournament or league or whatever the case may be. But she still had a positive experience. So whoever at that event made her feel good about it and just said, you know what, it's unfortunate. Here's why. They, they properly must have explained it. And she still had a good time and still came back. That was the first time she ever played. That could turn a lot of people away depending on how you handle that. Mm, yeah, exactly. Remember, Ryan C obviously is now right into tournament play and putting tournaments on. He went to a tournament, had a really bad experience because there was somebody that was really aggressive and abusive and nothing was really done about it. And then he just went, okay, well, tournaments are not for me. And I had to convince him to come back and say, well, that's actually not how tournaments normally go. And when he came back, he went, oh, okay, you're right. That was just a one-off. So it really is about, as a a, a tournament director or organizer, when you see something You just don't think, well, how do I feel? You've got to think, how is this impacting everybody that's part of this and their enjoyment? Because you're right, one person wins and chances are that person's going to come back next tournament because they won. Everybody else didn't win. So what's the draw for them coming back the next time? And it really is, it's the feel, it's the spirit of the tournament that matters. You know, I'm not big on things like participation badges. 
But what I do think you can take from this is finding out who are the first-time tournament players. Who are the people that have never been to an event like this? And you should go out of your way to make sure they know the rules, how they can have fun, things that they can do, places like pintips.net, should they want that, if that's something that matters to them. Just give them that tournament experience that other people have had by the volume of tournaments. You know, you want to kind of get them up to speed a little bit. And these are the things you need to look for. You want them to happen naturally, but you want to make sure those new people have that wonderful experience. It's like, imagine if you never told Ryan about, okay, you know, like that's a guy who runs several tournaments in Melbourne. Like that would really change the scene there. Yeah, absolutely. We would not have have it the way it is because of that. Do you know, so when I was running the Melbourne Silver Bowl League, which was a selfie league, the top 16 people that got into the finals, every single one of them got a show bag every single month. Got a what? Show bag. Do you know what a show bag is? A goodie bag, a gift bag. A gi- okay, all right, all right. Sorry. And it had, it had alcohol, it had food, it had crazy stuff. Because I used to work for a sales and marketing company that did a lot of promotions in department stores and malls, shopping centers. So I used to be able to get all this product and just put them into these gift bags. Then you got caught for stealing and... uh... (laughs) No, no, it was all above board. They gave me the stuff. But but obviously, the the better you did in the tournament, the more valuable and more stuff was in the the bags. But I did that because I wanted anybody that turns up, because they may get out in that first round, I want them to go away with something saying, oh, okay, well, that still feels good. I'm going to come back. That's very interesting. You know, I've run a few tournaments once or twice, maybe around the globe, in fact. <laughs> and, but that is the idea I had. It was, and I want to do this again someday. Look, everyone's going to get something, whether it's a shirt or everyone's going to get something for participating. And, and it's, it's a keepsake. I've got a ton of prizes from sponsors. Every prize I gave away was done randomly. It didn't matter where you were on the tournament. The winner got the Whoppers. The winner got a nice trophy from Ulick's store, but everything else was random. So I wanted the experience to be just as much fun for the person in last as it would be for the person in first. And I think that always can't be the case. But boy, if you have an opportunity to do that, or even just raffle prizes or goodie bags or whatever you can do, that's a good way to make it fun. Hmm. You want everybody there to feel that they can win something. There you go. Done. We're being too nice on this show. (laughs) Completely out of character. I mean, I gave Carl the what for, and, and rightfully so. I mean, He's seriously. Insane, he? Good point, though, he had about, we're seeing a lot of streams of the newer games, like a lot of streams, as he mentioned, with you know Jurassic Park and Deadpool and Iron Maiden when that was new and all that kind of stuff. It is neat to see him take a look at some of these older games. That's fascinating to me because, like you said, a lot of the original tutorials or videos were not when the codes were updated, or they just weren't as deep, certainly not wizard mode deep. I also don't think streaming quality was as advanced as it is now. A lot of those tutorials were just kind of a top-down view, weren't they? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Fingers crossed about Indisc, but we have to have a vaccine before. That's a possibility. We will see. Yeah. In the Northwest, they were supposed to have a big competition too. I think it was part of the Stern Pro Circuit. This was just a few weeks ago. And the tournament didn't happen. But what they did was have, funny enough, this is going to sound like an original idea. They had a trivia contest in lieu of the tournament. What? I know. Crazy idea. It was original. Unlike the Pinberg Challenge or Yegpin or 
PinFest before that. Because being in the Northwest, and I don't know if you've been there before, but... Um, what, what would you say is Northwest? Name some places. Seattle, Portland, Vancouver. They um, like to partake in certain recreational activities, I will say. So they had this trivia question where they would say a name. This was done by Skillshot Pincast. And they had people on like Hannah Hatch, who I think won it. Todd McCulloch were on it. Kayla Greet and some others. The trivia was funny. They had all these people on Zoom. They threw out a name and you had to guess whether it was a pinball machine, a strain, or both. And it was pretty bizarre. I mean, (laughs) there were some names I'd never heard of, so you assume strains. Yay. That's an interesting trivia contest. Well, it's a way to make it interesting. I'll say this, Marty. It was a lot easier to fucking edit that show. <laughs> Much easier to watch somebody else after they've done all that work. But uh, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't probably the most talked about competition or, or battle that's out there live right now. No kidding. You thought the Stern Showdown was big. <laughs> Once again, we have done it here at Final Round Pinball Podcast. And not to pat myself on the back or you, Marty, but I am doing it. Yeah, of course you are. The crap movie Great Pinball Battle 2 Round 1 took place. And once again, people are like complaining, that's not a crap movie. It was this, 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 this. Okay, there were plot holes. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Just Okay, so what you're talking about is Demolition Man was probably the big controversial one out of that. Remember, round, so round one was Congo versus Godzilla, Flintstones versus Last Action Hero, Batman Forever versus Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and Demolition Man versus Meteor. And people were like, oh, Demolition Man's not a, a terrible movie. You guys are on crack. Not the exact words. Let me tell you this. Demolition Man has a 60% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, an average score of 5.43. This is just all off the top of my head. And 34 out of 100 on Metacritic. So... Mm-hmm. Box office, $159 million. Mm. Not great. But this was your pick. You picked Demolition Man. I was kind of like, oh, it's not that bad. But it wasn't a successful film. But also off the top of my head, which I may have just gotten from Wikipedia, did you know that this movie is a complete ripoff of an author's book? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. Was it called Wiping with Seashells? No, it's it's called Fight of the Dead. So this is a Hungarian science fiction writer. His name's Istvan Nemir, I'm going to say. Basically, he wrote a book that came out in 86. And he is, ready for this? Here is the premise of the book. A terrorist and his enemy, a counter-terrorism soldier, are cryogenically frozen and awakened in the 22nd century to find violence has been purged from society. Can I tell you something? Mm Mm-hmm. I've never seen Demo Man the movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I know I this kind of thing I mean you know, even I've seen it no only I about a year ago it just doesn't interest I, I should watch it before I call it crap but we needed a movie and um, it's not exactly a winner title you know oh my god people lost their shit when we had Bram Stoker's Dracula in the first battle yeah who won that by the way that was the shadow so the winner of this crap movie, Great Pinball Machine Battle Part 2, will battle the shadow for the ultimate yeah. crap movie, Great Pinball Machine? Wow, this is way better than Stern Showdown. Yeah, 
absolutely. Anyway, so we're now into round two. So, you know, by the time this airs, it will all be done and we will have a winner. Yeah, so congratulations, Flintstones, for winning. (laughs) No chance. (laughs) Though I will say, I will say, the Flintstones is a better game than people give it credit. There you go. I'm just saying. Who was Flintstones against in round one? Uh, Last Action Hero. And who won? The Flintstones. Yeah, I think I voted Flintstones too. I've played Last Action Hero. It's not bad. It's Data East. I think the art bugs me. Yeah. I had... Lethal Weapon 3, which I also enjoyed. Eventually, the art kind of bugged me in that game, too, as, as well as the okay, 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 okay. But I find the last action hero is just a little... It's a, it's a messy-looking playfield, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the thing of it is, so these are based on pinside rankings. Flintstone's rated at 131. Last action hero is 151. It's not, it's not necessarily that that makes them a terrible game. Just that above them are just better games, great games. It's all for shits and giggles, isn't it? That's all it is. Wow, 13 shows just like that. Just like that. It seems only recently I was looking forward to retiring from podcasting. Well, we might have a special treat for you next week, Marty. You don't even know about it, but... Mm, okay. Next time on the final round, what could that be? Oh, my God. <laughs> Click here. Click here. <laughs> Oh. Uh, By the way, I got to say I got to say something. This is going back a couple of Mondays ago. I laughed my ass off at the Pinball Show, the flagship show here on the Pinball Network. Zach had to do a solo show. Dennis was sick, and for some reason, you know, Zach of course treats a podcast like a karaoke machine, and he started singing Hearts Alone song, which is maybe one of the hardest songs to sing. Mhm. Yeah. Certainly one of the hardest to listen to. Oh. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's no Barracuda. They're all great songs. When Anne hits that note in Alone, I mean, come on. That is American yeah, Idol. It's a power ballad. Yeah, damn right it is. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Barracuda's better. I give you that. Anyway, he didn't know what heart was, so he had to do a, <laughs> a what is it, a retraction, talking about how great heart was, uh, because I threatened to leave the pinball network if he <laughs> bad mouth <laughs> bad mouth the female led zeppelin for god's sakes you know anyway uh, great band and uh it was a good show uh i like what we're seeing here on the pinball network we're seeing a lot of streamers too holy yeah for sure yeah yep absolutely so so make sure first of all please go to facebook and like our page but also throw a like to the pinball network as well because then you can see all the content that's being distributed via that network Lots of streams, lots of great podcasts too, some good history lessons, some nice little uh, radio dramas, if you will, some different voices you haven't heard in a while. So uh, nice variety, and we're glad to be a small part of it. Oh, I say that small. We're 13 episodes in. We're fucking huge. Yeah, we are the best, but sure. You said your words, not mine. All right. I'm just, <laughs> just going by what people say on This Week in Pinball on the promoters database you know the praise my goodness i mean yeah. thank you it, it means it does mean a lot to us i i joke but it is very nice so thank you for all, all the nice compliments on that all right marty episode 14 thanks, two weeks from now we can do it all right thanks everybody we'll speak to you soon stay safe mm, hit the hook baby Oh
Let's get me to the moon.